following the great response to Roger Moore taking up the role as 007 in Live and Let Die, he made a swift return in The Man with the Golden Gun. But things were about to change. I'm Stephen Archibald, and welcome to my movie podcast. Hello, I bid you a warm welcome to my podcast, They Came From Within, Cult Movie Reviews. The Golden Shot. The Man With The Golden Gun, 1974. Directed by Guy Hamilton, The Man With The Golden Gun isn't just known for featuring an outstanding, record-breaking car stunt labelled the Astro Spiral Jump, but also for being the Bond movie which would lead to the breakup of the partnership between the producers Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman and from a budget of around $7 million the film made a little over $97.5 million at the box office which made it a relative commercial failure at the time one which led the makers to seriously consider terminating the franchise. The backdrop to The Man with the Golden Gun is rather timely, as its plot was inspired by the energy crisis of 1973. This is the one where Bond has to get his hands on a precious energy-saving device known as the Solex Agitator, whilst trying to avoid being eliminated by one of the world's greatest assassins. MI6 are first alerted to the threat on Bond's life when they obtain a golden bullet with 007 etched on it. They know that this is a direct threat from the dreaded assassin Francisco Scaramanga. The problem is, apart from knowing he has three nipples, They've no idea what he looks like. As viewers, we are of course privy to the fact from the beginning that Scaramanga is portrayed by the marvellous Christopher Lee. Lee was actually Ian Fleming's step-first cousin. And what's funny is that Fleming had recommended Christopher for the role of Dr. No, but only after the producers had already cast Joseph Wiseman. Hey-ho, the Hammer legend got there in the end. And Lee's very much his impeccable, classy self here. And I should add, Christopher Lee only got to play Scaramanga due to the fact that Jack Palance turned the part down. The Man with the Golden Gun is the ninth official Bond movie. It's based on Ian Fleming's 12th and last 007 novel which was first published in April 1965, eight months after Fleming had died. Not much of the plot from the source novel 
was used for the film. Tom Mankiewicz had once again been employed to write the screenplay. However, he had a serious falling out with the director Hamilton. Mankiewicz's story was dark, with Bond facing an epic duel with Scaramanga, who's depicted as very much being Bond's equal. Hamilton insisted on a lighter, more jokey approach. And so Mankiewicz was replaced by the Bond franchise's other regular writer, Richard Maybaum, which may partly explain why some of the dramatic and comedic sequences don't quite gel. The Man with the Golden Gun is notable for having two Swedish actresses play the main Bond women. The beautiful Bretagland had wanted to be in a James Bond film ever since she saw Dr. No, and she requested if she could play a part in this one. She was granted her wish by the producers and was given the role of Bond's accident-prone assistant, Mary Goodnight. The other significant part, that of Scaramanga's mistress, Andrea Anders, was given to the gorgeous Maud Adams. Guy Hamilton had encountered her in New York and realised she would be perfect for the role. His instincts were proved correct. So much so, Maud got to play another character in a different Bond movie starring Roger Moore. She played the titular villain in 1983's Octopussy. The Oscar-winning special effects maestro, John Steers, made Scaramanga's celebrated golden gun, which the assassin assembled by combining individual objects that are in the shape of a cigarette case, a fountain pen, a cigarette lighter, and a cufflink. In one regard, this is a most unusual Bond movie, in that it has a rather low body count. Our license to kill spy only eliminates one person, and there are just six screen deaths in total. Staying on the subject of violence, I have to raise an aspect of the Guy Hamilton Bond movies, which I don't really like. In the previous film, Live and Let Die, 007 got to rough up the CIA agent, Rosie Carver. And in this one, he twists Andrea's arm and slaps her during an interrogation scene. Hamilton thought that this would make Roger seem more of a tough guy, like Sean Connery. Someone should have taken Hamilton aside and told him there's nothing manly about physical violence against women. In Moore's defence, he was not happy about having to perform such scenes. I love the fact that Christopher Lee made his big screen debut in a 1948 drama called Corridor of Mirrors. Rather apt when you consider both the beginning and towards the end of this movie. More to the point, it also marked the directorial debut of Terence Young, who directed the first, second 
and fourth Bond movies. Oh, and Lois Maxwell, who played the much-loved secretary Moneypenny in 14 of the Bond movies, is in Corridor of Mirrors 2. The diminutive Herve Vilches appears in The Man with the Golden Gun as Scaramanga's accomplice in crime, Nick Knack. The role came to him just at the right time. When he was cast, Herve was living out of his car in Los Angeles. Herve led a life of highs and lows and found much success in the series Fantasy Island, starring alongside Ricardo Montalban. That is, until he was sacked prior to its final season. Plagued by serious health issues, Herve took his own life. On the 4th of September, 1993, he was 50 years old. With George Martin having stood in for him on Live and Let Die, John Barry returned to compose the music score for this movie. Its theme tune was written by Don Black and performed by the Scottish pop singer Lulu. Alice Cooper had also prepared a Bond theme tune for this movie, which is not such a crazy idea when you consider that Oscar-nominated one Paul McCartney did for The Last Picture. Some filming was carried out in November 1973, revolving around the semi-submerged wreck of the RMS Queen Elizabeth in Hong Kong. Principal photography, however, took place between the 18th of April and the 23rd of August, 1974. Aside from the expert work done at London's Pinewood Studios, the exotic locations, Thailand, Hong Kong and Macau, were used to great effect in this particular Bond movie. Produced by E.ON and distributed by United Artists, The Man with the Golden Gun received its UK premiere at the Odeon Leicester Square on the 19th of December 1974 and went on general release the following day. It's a great shame that The Man with the Golden Gun isn't as dark a movie as envisaged by Mankiewicz, but I think it's highly enjoyable nonetheless. I'm Stephen Ochbald and thanks for listening to my podcast They Came From Within cult movie reviews. You can listen to all my episodes for free on Audible, Spotify, Podbean and quite a number of other outlets. Thanks again, stay well and goodbye for now.